0: Let me ask you a question. If if you were Jesus, I know you're not Jesus, but if you were Jesus and you knew that on Friday you would be put to death by crucifixion, how would you spend your week? What kind of things would you do? Where would you go? What would you say to people? What would be your focus in those days leading up to it? How would you Process what was going on in your life, knowing what was coming. What would you do to prepare your disciples for this event and what was to come afterwards? All throughout the season of Lent, and this is the first Sunday in the Christian season of Lent, we're going to be spending our Sundays taking a look at how Jesus spent each day during his final week before he died. So today we're going to be looking at what Jesus did on Monday. Now we know what happened on the Sunday before that Monday. We call that Palm Sunday. And he rode into Jerusalem with a lot of applause by the crowds. And he was, he was a hero. Well on that Monday after that Palm Sunday. Jesus went to church. Well, not in the way we come to church. And he didn't really make it inside the temple. But Mark eleven fifteen says that Jesus entered Jerusalem on that Monday. And he went straight to the temple. And when he got there, he knew what he would find. He wasn't surprised because he knew what was going on. But he wasn't happy about it. Because in the courtyard of the temple... Merchants were set up to sell supplies, to sell animals to people that, that needed to make sacrifices, and they needed to buy supplies to do that. Temple bankers were there. Yeah, there were priests who were bankers, and they were there to convert the pagan coins of the, that everybody had in their pockets into the temple currency. You see, you couldn't give coins to God in the Jewish mindset with images of idols and emperors on them. Those were unholy coins. So you had to exchange them for temple coins, which were more holy, I guess. So the merchants were taking advantage of the people's needs and making huge profits. The temple bankers had unfair exchange rates with the temple coins, and they were ripping off people. So Jesus went all Jewish profit on him, and he made quite a scene. He threw out those merchants that were selling the supplies. He overturned the tables of the money exchangers. I'm sure it was quite a scene. But then Mark, in his gospel, tells us something about this event that the other gospel writers don't tell us in their accounts of this event. It's like Mark remembered something that the other three didn't. And it's this. Not only did Jesus turn over the tables and he drove out the merchants, he wouldn't let anyone use the temple as a shortcut to get home. You know, you could walk around the temple or you could just cut right through. People were cutting right through, they were passing right on through with their shopping bags. Jesus said, no, you need to go around. This is a holy place. It's not a shortcut. You need to go around. They weren't respecting the temple as a set-apart place for God. But we, we have to know, Jesus didn't go crazy like Hollywood movies make him out to go crazy at this event. You've seen those movies like I do. Jesus turns like into the Incredible Hulk and he, and he just goes crazy in there. That's not what Jesus did. He was upset, for sure. But Mark says that he stopped and he explained to people why he was doing this. It's in verse 17 of our scripture. Mark says, Jesus taught them by saying, isn't it written, my house shall be called of all the nations a house of prayer? but you've made it a den of thieves. See, Jesus is quoting Jeremiah chapter 7, verse 11 here, further reminding people that his role is like that of a prophet speaking on behalf of God. Well, verse 18 says that at this point, the chief priests, the scribes, the religious leaders, they said, we just can't let this happen. We've got to stop this guy. So it's at this point that they plot, okay, he's in Jerusalem. How are we going to kill him? We've got to stop this. But what's so interesting here is that these religious leaders weren't upset at Jesus because he caused a ruckus. They were upset with him because the people in Jerusalem were starting to listen to him. They were starting to believe him. They started to see Jesus as someone who had authority. They were threatened that Jesus would ruin their traditional corrupt way of doing things. And if someone comes in and he's going to change everything, you've got to stop him. And they wanted to stop Jesus. So after this event, Mark says in verse 19 that Jesus and his disciples did a smart thing. They left town. I probably would too. After, you know, go in, make a mess, leave town. Smart move by Jesus. And so that is how Jesus spent the Monday of the week he died. He went in and made a mess in the temple. Caused a big commotion. My goodness, there's so much happening in this event in Jesus' life? How do we even start to process it all? See, the temple was a holy place. The temple was the place that the Jewish people had to go to make a sacrifice for their sins with various animals. They'd sacrifice these animals as as an atonement for their sins. And what upset Jesus was that this holy place had become nothing more than a spiritual shopping mall and a shortcut for people to get from one place to another. The commercial aspects of the world had made its way into God's temple, a place that was meant to be holy, to be separated from the world. See, for me there's something holy about a space that's used to worship God. Whether we're in the multi-purpose room at our early service or right here in the sanctuary, when we worship God in that space, it's a holy place. In Waco, Texas, there's a church that meets under the I-35 overpass. It's called the Church Under the Bridge. And you've got some Baylor students that come there, you've got some local leaders, and you've got a whole bunch of homeless folks. And they worship and then they have a big meal every single Sunday. That's a holy place under the I 35 overpass at University Parks Drive. That's a holy place. And when we're in a holy place to worship God, it's not a place for running around. It's not a place for social media. Those things are distracting you. Maybe you need to reassess your priorities a bit. When we're here to worship God, we're here to worship God. That's centenary, but we don't have a temple. This is not a temple but we do have definite set-apart places where we worship God. I believe that the worship of God should be the most important hour of our entire week because it's a holy, set-apart time in which all of our focus should be on God. When I I led an hour-long children's worship service several years ago at a a church in, in Lexington, We met in the church's fellowship hall. That fellowship hall became our sanctuary for an hour with the kids. We had a musical time, we had a prayer time, the kids had communion. I preached a sermon, we broke into small groups. It was beautiful. It was a a worship service for kids. And from time to time, groups in the church would want to set up tables for lunches while we were meeting. Or else they would ask us to meet somewhere else. We have a big luncheon for, for missions. Could you meet somewhere else? And I'd have to explain to him, no. I'm sorry, but no. For this hour, the fellowship halls are sanctuary. Y'all are going to have to wait. You can set up tables in the main sanctuary if you want to, but this is where we're going to meet. And then one time I was feeling a bit feisty. I had to ask for forgiveness after this, but... Um, confession's good for the soul, they say. So I actually said to this, to someone when they asked us to move one Sunday morning, I said, you know, maybe adult worship in the sanctuary could move next week so we could have a children's event in there. They didn't like that at all. But yeah, I got in trouble, I had to apologize. But it was okay. Maybe we should get back to Jesus Monday because I'm feeling a little sweaty here after that. Jesus spent his Monday the way he did because he wanted the Jewish people to remember to keep their priorities straight. The temple was a place of prayer, not for making money. If they wanted to make money, they should go outside the temple grounds. Jesus didn't speak against making a profit. It's just where they were doing it. And it shouldn't be in the temple. The temple was God's space, reserved for people to connect with God. But if we're going to talk about this temple business and holy spaces set aside for worship, we have to look at what other parts of the Bible have to say. And there's a very curious mention of a temple in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. It's verse 16. And Paul mentions the temple, but it's a different sort of temple. Paul writes, don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple? See, as Christians, we don't have to go to a particular place to experience the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit lives in us whenever we meet with other Christians. The Holy Spirit is already there. Now see this 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 new understanding of the word temple from Paul this gives us all kinds of problems. When we really think about what Paul is saying. For example, if if for Christians if for who we are is more important than where we meet. How might Jesus overturn centenaries tables? Not the building. The church is not the building. We don't go to the church. We are the church. We are the temple. So how might Jesus overturn our tables? If we are the temple, what might Jesus chase out of here? See why this verse from Paul causes all kinds of problems? He's not talking about a place. This has to be reserved for nothing but worship. He's saying, We.